I want to I show you a verse uh, that I just want us to meditate on for a little bit. Um, it's out of James chapter 1, so if you just uh, focus on the screens. James chapter 1, verse 26. It says this, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. That's a pretty strong statement. I'll read it again. If anyone, if anyone considers himself religious yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. I remember just looking at that verse several months ago and going, what? That seems too strong to say worthless. Just because I can't control the words that come out of my mouth, my religion is worthless. And I can't, mean, I can't mean worthless. It can't mean just empty, meaningless, like none of it, none of, nothing else matters, but that exactly, that's exactly what it's saying. You know, as, as we start this series on watching what comes out of our mouths, this isn't just a little cute series you want to do in church. Oh yeah, I need to watch my mouth a little bit more. No, this is serious stuff. God's very concerned about the words that come out of our mouths. And, and the reason why we just sang one worship song was, you know, I, I was thinking this through and, and, and I, I told Jim, you know, I think sometimes we come in here and we just start saying words and do we really mean them? We sing words and do we really mean them? Because as, as we're going to talk about you know, the things that we say to one another, I believe the greater sin is the words that we speak to God. That sometimes we rush into the presence of God and we say things or sing things that we may not truly mean. And we need to be very careful with our words. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes 5 talks about how we ought to approach God with our mouths. How we ought to speak. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, starting in verse 1, just the first phrase says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Now, this is Old Testament. They were talking about coming to the temple for worship. And he's saying, be careful how you approach the temple. Be careful how you come for worship. And then he says, go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. He goes, instead of coming to speak, he goes, come near to listen rather than offer, I love that phrase, the sacrifice of fools. He goes, but instead... Come near to listen. And then he says, Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. You see that? He says, Don't be quick with your mouth. When you come into the presence of God, don't, don't say anything. Don't be quick to say anything. Uh, and, and when I read that, I thought, Gosh, I'm so guilty of this. Sometimes when I pray, I'm not thinking about who I'm speaking to. I just merely rush in and go, Hey, God, da, da, da. And he said, you know, when you come into his presence, don't be quick to say anything. Don't be quick to say anything. And he explains why. In the next verse, he says, God is in heaven. 
And you are on earth, so let your words be few. You know, when you first read that, it seems like a strange reasoning. Well, why not just speak to God? And he says it's because he's in heaven and you're on earth, so your words should be few. The whole idea is think about, think about the situation here. Right now, here we are on earth, and up in heaven is this holy, almighty God who knows everything. He's omniscient, who's all-powerful, omnipotent, who's omnipresent, He's everywhere. So you've got this being in heaven who, who already knows everything, can do anything, and is ever-present, and then here you are, this little being on earth. He goes, stop and think about that for a second before you say anything. Think about who you're about to approach. I mean, why would you, a little being on the earth, a little human being on this little planet, why would you rush into His presence and have very much to say? What are you going to do? Are you going to inform Him of something? You know, i got to tell you about something that happened. He says, you know what, just, just stop. You're a little being on earth. Here's this God in heaven. What do, you, what do you really have to say to him? He goes, let your words be few. And then he says, as a dream comes when there are many cares, so the speech of a fool when there are many words. Verse 4 says, when you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It's better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin and do not protest to the temple messenger saying, my vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? <laughs> he goes, when you go and you come in the presence of God, he goes, don't just blurt out these vows. Okay? And, and we're guilty of this. We're guilty of this in our churches. See, see, back then, if you read, uh, you know, we've, again, you know, those of us who are reading through the Bible in year, we've been reading through Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. But in Leviticus chapter 5, it explains that when you go into the temple, if you make any sort of vow, even if you casually say a vow, and you don't even realize that you did it, the Bible says you're still guilty of it. You're still held accountable for it. And that's why here in Ecclesiastes, he says, don't make a vow when they go, ooh, I didn't mean that. He goes, it's better just to keep your mouth shut. I, I speak at a lot of conferences and, and the leadership will say, hey, you know, make this decision night. Have the kids come forward and make a commitment to God. And lately, I've just been more and more terrified of doing that. Because I don't want a student coming forward and making a vow and saying, I'm going to stay pure until I'm married. And then breaking that vow. It's just better not to say it. See, but in our churches, so often we, we lift up the person who makes the commitment and what he's saying is, just do it. Don't use so many words. Don't make these vows you're not going to keep. He, he goes, because why would you, why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Because you don't come before God's presence and say you're going to do something and then not do it. He goes, why would you do such a thing and allow God to be angry at you and destroy all the work of your hands? He goes, just keep your mouth shut. Don't make these commitments. Don't make these vows. And certainly don't make a vow and then not keep it. 
See, your mouth got you in trouble. You made a promise before God. And God said, don't you dare say for better or for worse. And then call it off. Don't you dare say till death do us part and then call it off. Don't stand before me, make this commitment and then say it's over. He goes, I don't care if you were young. I don't care if you weren't thinking it all through. You made a vow before me. You stood before me, Almighty God, in God's God's church and said, look, this is what I'm going to do. He goes, then don't go running to the the temple messenger and saying, oh, my vow must... Don't go running to the pastor and saying, oh, it was a mistake. He goes, just don't be so quick to speak. If you don't mean it, don't say it. And and, and I thought, gosh, you know, I, I don't want us to be guilty of this. I don't want us to come into church and just be so quick to utter things before God. And I even thought about our singing and our worship and I thought, you know, there there have been times where we'll come in here and we'll say things to God like, I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. And we'll come before God and we'll sing these words half-heartedly. Think about it to quickly come into the presence of God and casually go, I will give you all my worship. Just think about that for a second. I will give you all my worship. That's all you got? I'll give you all my praise? You see, as we talk, I I do this. I rush into the presence of God and I say things without thinking about who I'm speaking to. I'll sing songs without thinking about who I'm singing to. And what I'd like us to do, you know, because it says in that last verse, verse 7, it says, much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, stand in awe of God. Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, stand in awe of God. And I thought that'd be so great if we could just do that this morning. Not rush into God's presence with many words, but for all of us just to stop and, and just stand in awe of God. To think about God's in heaven. I'm on earth. I'm just not going to say anything. I'm just going to stand in awe. How many of you saw the movie The Passion of the Christ? Okay, this is just about everyone. What did you do when you were done with the movie? Didn't you just sit there? Maybe you cried? You were speechless, weren't you? You were just... I remember the tears just falling, going... You did that for me? That's the response to a holy God. That's the response that we ought to have whenever we come into His presence. It's like, little me, holy God, 
on your throne with a hundred million angels worshiping you right now? What do you got to say to him? Nothing. The most honoring thing you can do is just to be quiet in his presence and just with your jaw dropped go, I'm before God. So the worship team's going to come up here, but we're not going to sing right now. You're just going to hear some music quietly just to drown out all the other noise. I want us to worship through standing in awe of God. Not to say anything to Him. As, as you, you may close your eyes and you'll want to just immediately say something to God. Don't say anything for a while. Just try it. Just remember, God is in heaven. You are on earth. Just let your words be few and stand in awe of Him. All we're going to do right now is just picture yourself on earth and picture who this God is that we pray to and sing to. If you want to close your eyes, feel free. If you want to kneel, feel free. If you want to stand and raise your hands, feel free. Just don't say anything. Just stand in awe.
It just seems so appropriate to just... I, I really think that's what it's going to be like when we die and we come into the presence of God. I don't think we're going to be able to say anything. That's my guess. As we're going to see this being and just go... That's probably all I'll say for who knows how long. As stunned as we are by his love, you know, when we thought about the passion, it just, imagine coming before a holy God. That's what we're here to do. That's what we come to do is, is just stand in awe of this being. You know, I, there's that scene in... In Revelation 4, where it talks about these, these heavenly beings. And I, I remember when I first read it, and I, I thought, no, does it really say that? That these four living creatures that have these six wings and they're covering themselves up and, and they're, they're screaming out. It says, day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That's all they say. Day and night. That means last night during worship service, there were four angels in heaven before God saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. This morning when you got up, those same angels were saying the same thing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. They've been saying it through our whole service to God. They'll be saying it through next service, the service after that. When you come back next weekend for another service, those angels are still doing before the throne. And I remember reading that passage and going, wait, day and night, they never stop saying that's what they were created for. They just keep saying those same words. Because we want to rush into God's presence and give Him a thousand words. And yet these angels kept saying those same things over and over and over again. Just, you're so holy. You're set apart. What I want us to do right now is, um, if you have a pen, if you would take it out, uh, a pen and maybe your bulletin, and I don't know if the ushers have extra pens this morning. They might have given them all out last night. If you don't have a pen, you, you, you could probably do this in your head. I want you to think, if this morning you could come before God and only speak 16 words. You were able to say 16 words to him. It could be a sentence, it could be two sentences, but a maximum of 16 words. I, I, I just think about that phrase, let your words be few. And I was reading a, a commentary, and, and one of the guys was saying how, you know, when we come before God, we should have few well-chosen, reverential words that summarize our whole souls as an act of worship just to come up with 16 words that you've thought through and say, God, 
this is what I want to say to you this morning. Go ahead and start writing that down. Or just, just play with it in your head and just count out. If I had 16 words I could say to God, what would those words be as you came into the presence of this holy God? hard, isn't it? I chose 16 words because that's how many words the angels used. You know, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And, and uh, it, it's probably too short of a time to really refine it for you. But I thought, okay, what if we all came next weekend with 16 words that we thought through during the week and said, God, here's my act of worship. Here are these words that I really want to say to you. And just, just came with those. I, I tried this myself and I just sat there thinking, what, what encapsulates everything I'd want to say to this God if my words were few? And, um, and, and, as, and I came up with, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I, I stole that part. Um, because I, I just thought, well, what else do you say? I mean, the, the whole idea of holy, 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 these angels, they, they're coming, the word holy means you're set apart. You're, you're distinct. You're, you're beyond us. And, and when you would say something three times in the Hebrew, that means it was the, the number of perfection. That means you're immediately saying the first things out of your mouth are you're, you're beyond anything. You're, you're so far beyond me. You're so set apart from me. Here I am. Here you are. Holy, holy, holy. I just confess that I, I'm nothing in your sight. You are holy. You're set apart. I don't match up to you. You're different. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, my Master. That's what Lord means. God. There's one God and then there's us. You're God and you're almighty. You can do anything. I don't come in saying, hey, you've got to do this, you've got to do No, you're the almighty God. Holy, holy, holy. And come with that type of reverence. I thought that's what I would say first. And then, then my words, I, I think, would be your power, patience, Mercy and love overwhelm me. For, for me, it's just, I, I just thought, what do, what, if I could say anything to this God, it's just like, your power. How, how patient you've been with me, with us, the people on this earth. Your patience. Your mercy and everything that we've done to you. And you're, you're going you're gonna to forgive us. You're not going to... Your mercy... Your love, that you look at me as your child, you, a holy God, you look at me and you call me your own, you treat me like your son, I feel like I'm an only child sometimes, the way you care for me, I'm overwhelmed by all of this. That's all I want to say. And then I'll sit down and someone else can have a turn. God, this is who you are to me. I really encourage you this week to just, if I had 16 words to say to God, and that's all I could say over and over again. What would that be? This uh, idea of just talking too much, is uh, it's a serious issue. It really is. There, there's some verses, I don't know if we have the PowerPoint for that. Can someone in the back tell me yes or no? Yeah, we do. Just, just meditate on these words for a while.
read this verse when it says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. Honestly, one of, one of my thoughts when I read this verse was, I don't have time for that. You know what I mean? How can I be slow to speak, quick to listen? How do you do that when you've got a hundred emails in your inbox? What do you do? Slow to speak? I don't know about you, but for me, it's like, uh, no, don't kill yourself, send. Okay, uh, don't, don't get a divorce, send. Uh, you know, I know you are, but what am I? Send. You know, just, just let me just get this, let me get this over with. Because I still got voicemails on my cell phone. I still got voicemails in my office. I still have voicemails at home. I, I still have these people that are waiting to speak to me. And boom, boom, boom. It's like, come in. Let's deal with it. Okay, good, good, good. Go on, go on, go on. Next person. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. And I read this and it says, be quick to listen, slow to speak. And I thought, I, I can't do it. There, there's too many things to do in a day to be slow to speak. I need to respond, otherwise I can't get to everyone. And I can't get to everyone as it is. But when I read this verse, I thought, well, you know what? The Scriptures don't teach me that I have to speak to a thousand people and have my email available to the whole world. You know, and so I changed my email address. <laughs> and, uh, and I just thought, no, because I have to be obedient to Scripture. And I've got to slow down and I've got to listen to the people who are speaking to me. And if that means fewer of them, at least I'm being obedient to listen and think through my response. Because I've heard different people respond to people who may be hurting or convicted about something and we just want to immediately say something to them and I'll hear some of the advice that has come out of this church from people in, our, in Cornerstone and I'm going, ooh, shouldn't have said that. God's not going to be real happy with that statement. That's not biblical. Be careful about your words. Think through. Really listen. Really pray before you just respond. You can go ahead and turn that off. You know, and, I, and we don't have time to get into all of these. I, we're going to um, we're going we're gonna to speak a little bit more about how we talk to one another. For starters, just just don't talk so much. You know, it just just in every conversation, when you're done with the conversation, ask yourself, did I listen more than I spoke? And there's a big difference between listening and waiting to speak. Okay? Big difference. Did I listen more than I spoke? Turn to, the, turn to James 1. We're going to look at this verse one more time. James 1.26, because I just want to point out, we started with this verse and I want to point out the context of this verse because I think it's very significant to what we're saying. James 1, verse 26. Again, it's the verse that we started with. And it says this, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Okay? So, so we, we established that if anyone considers himself in this room religious, like you're doing all these outward acts of religiosity, he goes, but you can't control, you can't, sorry, you can't control your mouth. He goes, then your religion is worthless. Then, then in your religion, all your acts, it's just, it's pointless, it's empty. But look what he says after that. 
Verse 27, he says, religion that our, that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. He says, if you just go and you talk about all these things and you can't control your mouth, he goes, your religion is worthless. He goes, you know what religion God values? You know what Albert Act God values? Not the person who talks and makes these commitments. He goes, true religion that God accepts is when you go out and you care for widows and orphans and then you just keep yourself unstained by the world. Just live a holy life. doesn't matter what the rest of the world is doing. You live the way that I want you to live. You go out and you care for the needy and then just keep your mouth shut. Because that, that's what God, God's honored by. It's not the person who just keeps talking. True religion is about action and doing something. And I, I, I think about uh, the Christian world that, that we live in. And what do we do? We, when we get together, we have Bible studies to do what? To impart knowledge. Say, hey, look what I found. Ooh, that's neat. Look what I discovered. Cool. You know what I found? You know, and we just talk, 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 talk. Look, if your Bible studies don't lead you to action, to doing something, then quit. I don't think we really need to talk that much more. We talk too much. We've learned too much. We know too much. We just don't do it. I was golfing this week. Um, and uh, over at Simi Hills, and you know, a couple of friends asked me to go, and and there were three of us, and so as we were playing, there was a single in front of us, and so, you know, I accidentally hit into him. I didn't realize I could hit so far, but uh, it, it uh, you know, so we go, we apologize, and well, I didn't see you there. I, I really didn't know you were there, and then you you want to join us, so we start talking. A guy from Ireland, and uh, you know, just you know, hung out. I start talking to him, and I. I go, so well, what's the difference? You know, what are the main differences? You know, you lived in Ireland most of your life and then you come here. And he said, you know, the people are so much friendlier in Ireland. You know, everyone just talks and this and that. He goes, but actually, I prefer being in America for that very reason. He goes, because I don't like to talk so much. And uh, here, no one really talks to you. And uh, he says, but it's okay. He goes, because I prefer to listen. He goes, I think it's more important to listen than it is to talk. And I said, you know what? I agree with you. And he goes, you do? I go, yeah. I go, in fact, the Bible says that we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. And he goes, stop right there. I was like, what? He goes, don't quote that stuff here. I'm a recovering Catholic. And uh, I said, well... I'm just telling you that what you said, you know, the Bible agrees with what you said. He goes, stop. He goes, this is my place of peace. Don't say another word from that book. And I said, but... He goes, like, all right. And it was interesting because that week, one of my, my students in, in my sermon prep class as he was preaching, he, he, uh, he talked about a story. He goes, yeah, last week I was at Starbucks, you know, and I'm, I'm working on a computer and I just thought, man, I, I need to talk to this guy. I need to talk to this guy. So I just asked this guy. We started a conversation and then I said, hey, what do you think about God? What do you think about who Jesus is? And the guy goes, stop. 
I said, was he from Ireland? <laughs> you know, no, but it was a different guy. And then he, but he, he still felt convicted. He says, you know, but I still felt convicted, like I need to say something. I said, so you don't believe in Jesus? And he goes, the guy pointed at me. He didn't say a word. He just goes, and he pointed to the door. I think the world's tired of us talking. That doesn't mean we stop sharing the gospel and telling people the good news because people will listen. But I'm just saying there are a lot of people in the world of whom you will not get their attention by your words until they see true religion coming out of the church. Not a bunch of talk, but people who really care for the widows, the orphans, and keep themselves unstained by the world rather than just talking and making big comments. We're not going to get their attention. As you can tell, I have, I, I'm, I'm struggling with my words this morning, you know, because I'm, I don't want to waste words. I don't want to multiply words like those verses told me. I want to think through everything I said and everything I'm saying. I'm going, wow, should I, like just now, should I have said that? You know, should I say that? That? You know, it's just, just everything. It's like, let me think through my words. And, it, you know, if, if there's one thing I could say to you, you know, the last thing to, to use up the rest of my words, this holy God that we've been talking about is going to return to the earth at any moment. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 6 says God is just he will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with His powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of His power on the day He comes to be glorified in His holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. The Bible says that Christ is coming back in blazing fire, not as a humble servant, but as this amazing being who comes back and for any here who would say, there is no God, I don't need His forgiveness, I, I haven't sinned against Him, he says, you're, going to, you're, you're waiting everlasting punishment. Now, I know that's not a popular thing to share nowadays about this eternal punishment and this God that's going to return and judge the earth. But I thought I would be an absolute jerk to remain silent about this. I, I mean, you would think that if I told you, hey, a terrorist is coming to 1130 service, you know, and they're, they're going to blow up this place, and I say nothing, and I know about it ahead of time, and I don't warn the 1130, don't come, go to Rocky Peak, you know, whatever. You know, just, just don't show up here. You'd say, wow, he knew about that, and he said absolutely nothing. You know what? A terrorist coming and blowing this place up is nothing compared to those verses I just read you. 
that Jesus Christ is coming in this blazing fire to punish an earth that deserves it. And yet at the same time, because of His love and mercy, He gives us a way of escape. And i got to tell you that. This is what I need to use my words for. It's to tell you that, that, that God loves you and He offers you, He honestly says you can be forgiven this morning. You can be forgiven for all of that because Jesus paid for all of your crimes on the cross and if you embrace and you recognize your need for forgiveness, He'll forgive you. But as long as you go through life going, no, I'm a good person, I'm a good person, God's going to let me in heaven because I've been so good, you're never going to get there. I promise you, I promise you, I, I absolutely promise you, you need to be forgiven by God. And you can have that. That's what this is about, that amazing God. That's what that passion of the Christ was all about, that we just go... You paid for all my crimes, holy, amazing God that I can barely speak before. Now you send your son and he died for my crimes. I, I am completely speechless. And that you could walk out of the, the, the room today and be completely forgiven and, and be called a child of God. That's what I was saying in my prayers. Like, I'm overwhelmed by this. You've been patient with me, merciful toward me, and now you love me like a child. I don't know how to handle this. This is amazing, and that's why I come here to worship and tell you about this great God that I worship every week. And if you need some prayer and you want that God to come into your life, I'll be up here by the prayer room with some of the other pastors and counselors. If you want to get baptized this morning, not say anything, but just go in the water, come out. It signifies you dying to your old life and rising up to follow God. And then show it by your life. You don't have to tell me, hey, I'm not cussing anymore. Hey, I don't drink it. Just, just do it. Just go out, care for the poor, and keep yourself unstained by the world. God will be honored. I believe He was honored this morning when we just said nothing, stood in awe of Him.